How's it going everyone? We're here with the 63rd episode of Fear Frequency, and if you're a new listener, this is a weekly horror podcast where two best friends round up the latest horror news and review a movie or two. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne. And I'm George Fazard. And if you haven't yet, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a review over on iTunes. It takes like two seconds just to leave a rating. And if you really want to be cool, you can leave us a review. Uh, and remember, you can always email us at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com. We'll read your message on the show as well as any iTunes reviews that you leave. Do we have any new reviews this week? Uh, we do not. I forgot to ask you before we started recording. <laughs> we also missed a week. And that is because there really wasn't like anything too pressing like time-wise we needed to talk about and for my day job i got to go hang out at microsoft for the day and then i was dead when i got back because <laughs> i had to wake up at 5 a.m two night two days in a row and like fly twice it, it was a whole thing but it was really fun it was awesome and then we were like well it's thursday now and by the time it gets that late in the week it's like we'll just wait till the next week <laughs> right at that point it's like it's just pointless to do it on a thursday yeah, so this week we're going to be talking about a bunch of cool news. We've got some Midsummer trailer talk, Godzilla, Ghostbusters, and Joe Bob. And then in segment two, we're reviewing Lords of Chaos, which like just stealth released on all VOD platforms for some <laughs> reason. The rollout for that movie, bad. Just bad. Not good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like... Because it's a good movie. Spoilers. Like, we both liked it. Right, but they just kind of threw it out there without even a bit of fanfare or just like yeah they yeah. just yeeted that shit on amazon prime and called it a day <laughs> yeah seriously so that was weird but uh we also didn't see that movie in telluride because we thought it was a foreign language film because they'd never released a trailer for it until like two months ago so we were like really tired and hung over we look at the list of movies that we wanted to see and lords of chaos was on there and we were like I don't know if I can read another movie because we watched Terrified and a bunch of other shorts that were in foreign language. Turns out it's entirely in English. So yeah, would have been cool to know that. In a theater, which would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that was funny. But the first news we have to talk about today, uh, Ari Aster, the director of Hereditary, the new trailer for his new movie, Midsummer, finally dropped, which is crazy because Hereditary came out like last June and Midsummer's coming out like a year and a month later or a year and two months later in august but this trailer this was a good trailer i thought it was great yeah i'm very excited for this movie um it just it looks really awesome to me like all the little teaser stuff they put out beforehand the kind of like ring around the rosy imagery and and the scandinavian cult horror folk aspect of it is all just really interesting and you know what i think it's cool people are like looking for a twist or like you know things to dissect here but just like hereditary i think the trailer is basically just telling you exactly what the movie is about and it's like him being confident in his abilities to direct a good movie even though you kind of know what it's going to be about so the basic synopsis here is that every 90 years there's a nine-day festival out in the woods of sweden that's like super pilgrimage and there's like voiceover in the trailer about like not being able to talk or move and that like it makes it seem like the person that's being talked to is on a drug that breaks down their defenses and opens them up to influences uh but i did a bunch of research for a video and summer in swedish is the word summer obviously mm-hmm. and ari aster described it as a scandinavian folk horror film and an apocalyptic breakup movie so we already know that the synopsis is that a couple travels out to sweden to go to this like uh festival uh, with their friends and it turns 
into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. Now, the way I kind of piece together what the movie is about also is every one of these websites that wrote up the trailer, for some reason, had a different little blurb that told you more about the movie. <laughs> so, like, so it bloody like... disgusting was, like, the pagan cult and the competition part. Mm-hmm. And another website was, like, talking about uh, that, like, it's basically, like, the Wicker Man meets the Ritual. Or I might have said that. I don't know. But that's what it looked like to me. The Wicker Man and the Ritual. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of Wicker Man meets something else. Wicker Man seems to be uh, the through line for people <laughs> comparing this movie to other movies. The weird thing is, Midsummer is like a thing that Swedish people do. It happens in June. And mm-hmm. they take a like weekend off and they go out into the wilderness. So like the main cities in Sweden will all be empty. I watched this like really in-depth video. So they go out... They eat a bunch of food. They drink a bunch of beer. And, like, uh, Swedish people are, like, nat- I guess generally kind of reserved people. But because it's, like, a summer festival, um, that's when they're, like, supposed to, like, do romantic stuff. And, like, there's a huge baby boom in March every year, I guess. Mm-hmm. But that Ring Around the Rosy thing that they put up is part of the real Midsummer Festival. And they did actually used to do human sacrifice there. So it this is pulling from real stuff. Which still happens, like, every year. It's like a national holiday for them, I think, from what I saw in this video. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely trust uh, Ari Aster to do the research. I mean, with all the kind of occult sayings and phrases and kind of all the deep, deep occult knowledge that was in Hereditary that were basically just there to be, like, very little details that you wouldn't notice unless you looked into it a little deeper... I, I can see him being the kind of guy that would do intense, intense research to make sure this is, like, both accurate and ridiculously scary. Yeah, those runes translate in the video to, like, journey and, like, woman or something. I had it written down. I don't have that anymore. But, like, the runes aren't just there for show. It's just, like, all of the demon names on the wall in Hereditary. Like, mm-hmm. he knows what he's talking about. The Wicker Man... I don't think it's so much... I think it's just like that it's a cult movie that takes place in Europe. I think right. that comparison will be lost like once people see the movie. Just because like Wicker Men being a human sacrifice device was kind of basically a rumor started by the Romans. They like went and saw the Celtic people, but the Romans obviously don't like paganism. So whereas the Wicker Man being burnt is a thing that happened to like signify summer putting people or animals in them that probably didn't happen because even though wicker's strong once it's on fire it's incredibly easy to break so anyone in it could just break out of it and like the romans probably just said that so that people would you know be scared of the celtic people so that's why and it is of course scandinavian and not celtic so like that i think that comparison is going to be lost but obviously the ritual is very like very similar Right, and I'm I'm sure that's what they're trying to kind of draw a comparison to, as opposed to it being, like, the same as... Like, I don't... Nick Cage isn't going to be in the movie, like, screaming or anything. Yeah, yeah. And the original Wicker Man's pretty good. But you know what it reminded me of? We were just talking about uh, the Faith Seed from Far Cry 5. Yeah. The people <laughs> yeah. Like, she uses drugs to put people in a trance and stuff. And that big pole is called a maypole, and it's, like, a fertility sign. Interesting. And, yeah, so I, I'm... I don't know how that's going to play into it, obviously, because there's one trailer. But he said that um, Cries and Whispers is a movie that really inspired him for this and Hereditary. Mm -hmm. And, like, I skimmed the Wikipedia for that. 
and it's basically a movie about suffering is what it's called like i just scanned the wikipedia and i saw words like uterine cancer suffering genital mutilation and like death and shit and the art visual style of that movie just from the poster looks very similar to this yeah. so you can kind of see you can kind of get some clues about what he's doing with uh, his movies and i'm assuming this is going to be like hereditary where the first time you see it it's going to be a lot to process there's going to be a lot of little clues and, and what have you sprinkled throughout it. But then once you watch it a second time, it'll all kind of fall into place a little bit easier. Yeah. Hereditary is a movie you need to see twice. But if you don't want to watch it again, you can just go watch my YouTube video where I break everything down. But um, the, the scary thing about this, though, that a lot of people are glossing over is that he said he after this this is the only other horror movie he has he wants to do and then he's going to move on to like a musical or the one of the other 10 scripts he has written he says he has a sci-fi movie he said he's going to stay rooted in genres but um but not necessarily horror yeah so that's pretty disappointing you know like (laughs) i mean it's weird when like you know if this is as big of a critical hit as hereditary was the dude does like back-to-back movie of the year horror movies <laughs> like i mean it would just be a shame to see him kind of do this genre so well and kind of revitalize the whole cult aspect you know folklore movies and and just do them so extremely well and then just kind of back away from it yeah i was listening to the shockwaves podcast from where they interviewed joe bob last year i think it was like their 93rd episode or something mm-hmm. and he was like it's always the most disappointing when you get a great director who breaks onto the scene by making a good horror movie and then completely leaves it behind <laughs> like he brought up like peter jackson you know yeah. or, as an example and i completely agree with that like if you're good at making horror movies like i don't know and that's how you get that's how you get your come up you should probably stick with horror movies not that you can't make other things but if he's like yep i made two horror movies and now i'm moving on from the genre that's kind of a bummer yeah although i would love to see what whatever musical he has cooked up yeah seriously (laughs) that'd be really cool i like musicals but so you like this trailer yeah i'm I'm really into it i think that it's going to be probably one of the better movies to come out this year um I haven't really seen anything so far this year that's been like a real contender for movie of the year, but I think yeah. Besides like Happy Death Day, that's like pretty much it, right? Yeah, and I and I did actually really like um, Lords of Chaos, but I think that this one is going to be the first one that's like really head and shoulders above everything else. Yeah, and it comes out on August 9th, I want to say, so it's like right around the corner, which is cool. I really like. I'm really into the idea of like a summer movie right now. Yeah. Um, so next up on here you have this story about Barbara Crampton she's starring in Viven Vaughn's Death Chamber segment A Christmas Miracle so there's a movie called Death Sember 24 Doors to Hell it's an <laughs> anthology movie and Barbara Crampton's in one of the shorts so you want to break this one down yeah so um, the 24 Doors to Hell are essentially 24 short stories and um Viven Vaughn if I'm saying that correct uh, her segment that she's directing is called The Christmas Miracle and it features Barbara Crampton so um the the basic synopsis is a grieving mother who suffered a stillbirth spending Christmas alone she's visited by an apparition that promises to bring her child back to life but at what cost great 
That sounds kind of cool. Yeah. I, I think 24 shorts in one movie is a bit excessive. <laughs> like, I don't know how remember, short um, they had. The um, ABC's of Hell. Yeah. Or ABC's of Death. Yeah, we watched those. Those are yeah. okay. Yeah, but I mean, but, those are like very short. So I'd assume that these would also are so hit or miss. Yeah. And I think they're like kind of easier to do when you have like five in a movie or something. Mm-hmm. Five or less where you can kind of flesh them out a bit more without, you know, like in these, I'll feel like it'll have to be you tell the entire story within the span of like two and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, I think it's cool that Barbara Crampton is like continuing to blow up. It wasn't just like a, you know, a blip on the radar. Like she's making a legitimate comeback. Yeah, I mean, she's a, a horror legend. It's cool to see her kind of come back and and still be recognized as such and kind of get the, the spotlight for... <laughs> um, what was, I mean, like, she did that other movie, like, late last year, that other, like, Christmassy one. Dead... It wasn't called Dead Snow. Yeah, so, it was, like, Dead Night or something. Yeah, something like that. Something like it had that. kind of a bad name. I, I watched the movie. It wasn't very good, but she was good in it. She was also in the last season of Channel Zero. Oh, the Butcher's Block one? Uh, Dream Door. Oh, yeah, yeah, Dream Door. Yeah, so she's out there. That's cool. She's like, I'm out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, it's cool to see her still kind of featured and stuff, and uh, um, I'll probably check out this 24 Doors to Hell when it comes out. Yeah, the next thing that I'm going to talk about isn't on here. I just remembered it, though. Do you see that Friday the 13th, the game is coming to Switch? Yes, I did see that. So... They put out a really cool ad with Jason sitting on a bus stop bench and it says like kill time. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So basically you're going to get every DLC except the Tom Savini skin with this and they're releasing it in spring. Now we've talked a fair amount of shit about Friday the 13th, the game <laughs> well-deserved, I think, but they really did a good job of turning that game around. They ported it to Unreal Engine 4. They can't do any new DLC, but they've been pretty consistent about fixing bugs because they fired the developer who like, put it out in that buggy state and put a new developer mm-hmm. on it and then the really interesting thing here is that for once in this game's life it's getting out on a new platform before dead by daylight because dead by daylight's coming to switch in october and it looks like crap a and b mm-hmm. friday the 13th is an unreal engine 4 which we know runs extremely well on the switch from fortnite so hopefully hopefully they can get like they're getting it out in spring but hopefully that wasn't at the cost of like graphical fidelity because i think even a minor drop for this game will not help it yeah um i mean like you were saying as long as they kind of have it on the right track now where there's less bugs um the online works better than you know if the nintendo online servers are reliable enough there's a lot of like moving parts where it could break down but i think if if it is a, a successful launch and it looks good and runs well and it's easy to jump in and out of it. Um, I, I just think that, like, those games aren't really, like, short enough to kind of adhere to what the Switch is built for. Like, playing that at a right. bus stop doesn't really make sense because the games are, like, a half hour long. Yeah, well, Friday the 13th has single-player challenges now. But Dead oh, by Daylight, they? I completely agree. Like, that is such a small use case of a game. Like, if I'm at home which theoretically is the only place I can play Dead by Daylight, right? Right. I'm not going to play it on the Switch because it looks like ass, and I have <laughs> two, two, three other devices I could play it on, and it'll right. guaranteed look better, you know? Right. And if you could play it on a 55-inch TV, 
why wouldn't you do that over a switch i mean <laughs> and switch is cool because you can kind of take it you know take it over your buddy's house or take it on public transit but for a game that's completely online that just doesn't seem like the best mesh right so at least friday the 13th has like a single player mode. right there, there are still things you can do with it other than you know the actual main meat and potatoes of the game yeah and i guess you could tether to lte right like yeah i mean i think a lot of people have unlimited data now and tethering so theoretically you could um i don't know how good like the lte connection would be for like stability wise and lag in the game but i'm sure probably work pretty good yeah i just hope they know that they have a real opportunity here to like find a new community for this game because it's on a Nintendo console, which is a completely different audience than any other one that it's had so far. Right. And I mean, if they do it right, it could really find a real community, I think. Yeah, and if they and introduce crossplay, like that will bring up the life of the other consoles and PC too. Yeah. I mean, that could totally be a huge bump for the game. I could see a lot of people picking it up and, and starting to like actually really get into it and, build like you're saying build a community around it but it, it'll just require the launch to be pretty near perfect <laughs> yeah and i saw people bitching that the tom savini skin isn't in it but like that was a kickstarter reward and this version wasn't kickstarted so like tough luck i guess you know right plus like they have so many other legal gray area issues that they're dealing with that you know just just whatever they can get to us in a functional format just let them do let them do what they got to do <laughs> yeah yeah, Victor Miller commented on my Friday the 13th lawsuit video and said, thanks for being nice. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> I was like, cool. <laughs> so next on here, I'm really excited about this. Joe Bob Briggs weekly series is coming March 29th, and it's going to be weekly double features instead of 24-hour marathons. And it's going to conclude on Friday, May 24th. So every Friday night from March 29th to May 24th, you're going to get a double feature live streamed on Shutter at 9 p.m. And eventually they'll be uh, or 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Eventually they'll be on demand on Shutter, but that'll be like the only way to see them for a little bit. And that's awesome. Yeah, that's a really cool. I, I know they kind of teased a Joe Bob series like very late last year, basically saying that he was coming back with, you know, that he was coming back for the um diners of death and the christmas special but that he was also doing a series and I, I mean that's like that's a pretty long running series every friday for what end of march like um two months yeah you get two full months basically the last weekend of march to the last weekend of may and he said the double features we chose for the weekly series range over five decades and include everything from classics to obscurities to foreign cult offerings with a handful of guests who agreed to play around with us in our Texas trailer park. I don't want to say we got carried away with the possibilities here, but we kind of got carried away with the possibilities <laughs> here. So that on top, did you watch the trailer for it? No, I haven't Which checked the most, it out yet. It tells you virtually nothing. It's yeah. just him going, he's like, I'm coming back. It's going to be directed by Joe Bob Briggs, written by Joe Bob Briggs, starring Joe Bob Briggs. He's like, I'm behind the camera. I wrote the script. I'm running the teleprompter. It's all Joe Bob Briggs. He's like, I'm going to have guests on here, not because of their in intrinsic value as people, but because they're being interviewed by me, Joe Bob Briggs. It's like the best trailer ever for something like this. And, if you know uh, what I mean, and I think you do. Yeah. <laughs> he's bringing back Darcy. 
So I'm just stoked for this. Hopefully they get like a season two, right? Like, yeah, this whole thing is mean, just weird. It, like, it's it's really awesome to see just the revitalization of this series in general. And I know we've talked at length about how cool the series is and how great Joe Bob is, but it, it's just cool to see these more bite-sized, like every Friday we're going to have something to look forward to for two months. Like that's just a cool thing for a horror fan that we would never expect. You know, we thought that the the last drive-in was going to be like a once-in-a-lifetime event where he comes back for like a night and that's it. And, and, and we get so much more than that. Yeah, I'm going to have to get one of those like little clips from my phone and the that go in your like event in your car. Because it starts right when I leave work. <laughs> yeah, I have to start streaming it in the LA traffic. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I know my editor Josh watches football oh, when that's he's good. driving to work. <laughs> <laughs> I also know he doesn't listen, so he can't get mad that I called him out. <laughs> but uh, I'm like dead serious. I'm gonna get one of those little things because I I don't want to have to wait. But it's a double feature, so I'll at least be able to catch the end of the first movie and the second movie in full every Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fine I'm, with me. Yeah, I'm definitely very, very stoked for this series. I'll and... get to play Friday the 13th on Switch while I'm watching the Joe Bob double feature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, one of the other cool things about the Joe Bob, the last couple um, marathons, was just the amount of movies that I was introduced to that I would had never seen or wouldn't have known about. And it sounds like there's as great of a variety, if not a more, you know, more variety than we saw before, where there's classics, there's over five decades of movies. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I got to watch the Legend of Boggy Creek one. Oh, yeah. So, um, but I also went from, like, not knowing what Phantasm is to having Phantasm 1, 3, 4, and Ravager being, like, my favorite horror <laughs> series right now. So that's pretty cool. All thanks to him. And the cool thing about the Christmas one was it's not very Christmas themed. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not at all. It's just like you just watch Phantasm with Joe Bob. They just yeah. streamed it around Christmas. <laughs> and or even um, thing. one of my favorites they showed was Pieces. I mean, oh, that was Pieces a is so good. movie that, like, I think I might have seen once before and, and hadn't really given it any more thought. But now it's like one of my favorites that I, that I return to in any kind of horror movie marathon because it's just such a fun inclusion. <laughs> You don't need to go to Texas to have a massacre or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked uh, Rabbit, too. Yeah. I liked Rabbit a lot. Yeah. That Rabbit remake, a... look, there's like that article in Fangoria. That remake looks really good. Yeah. Um, everything that's coming out about that, I'm excited for. Like, I know we were kind of cautiously optimistic because, you know, like, how do you redo a Cronenberg movie? But um, it, it, it looks like good. like they got it figured out. Yeah, it seems like they understand what the movie's about and, and they're putting their spin on it, so I'm definitely really excited to see it. Yeah, so I'm going to let you tackle this Jordan Peele one that we have next. Yeah, so um, with us headed to theaters this month, Jordan Peele has been out and about doing some uh, press junkets, and he sat down for a short video interview with um, Wall Street Journal magazine, and where they just kind of spitfired a couple horror movie related questions at him and and uh, just kind of saw what his input was. So uh, I, I just judged on a few of them here. Um, they asked him what his first horror movie uh, that got him was or, or that he was actually afraid of. And he said Cronenberg's uh, The Fly, yeah. <laughs> which is an awesome movie. I mean, I love The Fly. 
it, it is truly a masterpiece. Like that is one of the best, like Jeff Goldblum performances of all time. <laughs> it's just so like perfectly realized. This is a great yeah, movie. Just such cool science fiction. And it's just like, you know, it's like right out of a HP Lovecraft or, you know, some like dark classic horror story. Yeah, that's a great pick. Um, for best horror soundtrack, he said that the Nightmare on Elm Street theme is just so iconic. It's it's hard to it's hard to pick anything over that one. I don't remember. Didn't we? Was I talking to you last week when I told someone I don't remember a single piece of music from Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> except for the Dokken song in three? Oh yeah, the Dokken <laughs> song in uh, Dream Warriors. Dream yeah. Warriors. <laughs> I guess I have to listen to it. That's really funny. I forget who I was talking to. I just said that like a week ago. I didn't like remember any of the music from Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I thought that was a pretty good pick. Um, I think to ignore any of Carpenter's soundtrack is uh, a bit of a misstep because I think he's the original scores he's written for his movies are just unbelievable and still stand the test of time as like extremely memorable and just awesome songs. Right. Um, favorite B-movie, he said, was Critters. I don't think which, I've ever seen Critters. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Um, <laughs> Shudder's doing a TV show on it that we're yeah. going to talk about in a little bit. but uh, and, and Sci-Fi's doing a movie, so Critters is getting a lot of love right now. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> um, scariest villain of all time, he said, was Michael Myers. All right, not much to say there. He's just not, right. <laughs> he's just... That's a correct <laughs> one. <laughs> um for tropes that he didn't like, he said dark, dingy houses. He said that um, he prefers having horror to happen in either the open or in kind of environments that you would actually like to go to as opposed to the house that you would never visit anyway. Yeah, between his movie, Us, and uh, Midsummer, that's gonna, I think that's gonna, those are both going to kick off a trend with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can see that aspect of like, it's more horrifying when nowhere is safe instead of somewhere that you would expect to be dangerous. Right. Um, his favorite trope is everyday objects being used as weapons. Okay, that's cool. So, like, uh, power drills and all that kind of stuff. He'd probably like uh, Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good movie. I have that on Blu-ray. And um, his favorite horror performance, he said, was uh, Shelley Duvall in The Shining. I guess. I don't know. I think she's fine. <laughs> I mean, she's good. She definitely yeah. is, like, a very memorable in that movie. That feels like a pandery pick. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's. I think there's other ones. Like, I think Jack Nicholson's performance in that movie is better. Yeah. Like, if I, I don't even, gonna yeah. Stick with the I guess shining. arguably better, but, like, I don't know. I think Jack Nicholson is better than that movie. Yeah. So Which, it, I don't know. I feel like he's just playing to an audience with that one, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> But yeah, it's a it's a fun little interview. You can uh, go check it out. It's on the uh, Wall Street Journal's magazine. It's just kind of yeah. cool to see him talk about horror movies. So, two out of the seven you pick that you picked out, I did not disagree or I disagreed with. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I I think he definitely is not a bullshitter. Like I think he actually does know his stuff when it comes to horror movies, and he is yeah, legitimately definitely. a fan. So it's it's cool to see kind of his opinion on these things. Yeah, I'm really excited for us. Yeah, I us. just asked universal for a screening next week and i really hope i can go to one yeah that looks awesome i'm really looking forward to that 
Yeah, and also things that look awesome. Hellboy dropped their Red Band trailer that (laughs) everyone was kind of waiting for because the first trailer, you know, David Harbour and pretty much everyone involved with this movie has been talking it up as like this gory-ass, like straight-up horror movie. And the first trailer made it look like a... Like a Shaun of the Dead style comedy. Which yeah, like it, it still looked good. Like I thought it looked good in that trailer. I was totally fine with it. But and this I mean, one like, really brought it. If you look at like even Hot Fuzz though, which was like the other, the second part of the Cornetto trilogy, I mean that is also the same style of comedy, but much more gory than Shaun of the Dead. Um, so like you could see how they can still fit it in, and this this trailer definitely delivered on on how they're fitting that in. <laughs> right. And I just thought it was a really good trailer. The Hellboy costume looks really cool. There's quite a bit of CGI, but it looks good. Like him riding the dragon, that huge monster with the swords for hands, busting through the London Bridge and stuff. Like, that all looked really cool. Just the amount of creatures in this movie <laughs> is, like, insane. From from the trailer, we saw, like, what, a Cyclops, a Minotaur, a dragon, Hellboy with his horns up, the monster with the sword arms, the, um, the villain who is Mila Jovovich playing the, like, I guess sorceress from hell that's supposed to be like his wife or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just like the amount of crazy, insane monsters and like huge, huge macro, macro level destruction. This movie's going to be a, a real visual treat. Yeah. D- David Harbour is a great <laughs> replacement for Ron Perlman. Like, Ron Perlman is old, you know? Like, he's not a young guy. They really like, per- wanted to just do something new. That's fine with me. Roma did a really great job with the the first two Hellboy movies, the Del Toro ones, but I think David Harbour is a very adequate replacement. I don't know anybody else who I'd pick over him. Yeah, so overall, I think that the stuff they showed in that trailer was a smart move on their part. You yeah. know, like, it's rated R for bloody violence and gore throughout and language. That sounds <laughs> like it's going to be a good movie. And both trailers had great use of music. Yeah, um... Yeah, I think this is going to be a really fun, fun ride. And it's it's out April 12th, so that's just around the corner, just you know, next month. All right, cool. I'm excited for that. Next on here, you've got Jessica Chastain. She was talking about It Chapter 2, and she said, In the movie, there's a scene. Someone said on set that it's the most blood that's ever been in a horror film in a scene. What do you think about that? I think that that might be... A little bit of a, an exaggeration. <laughs> I mean, a little bit of hyperbole? A little Wait, bit so of you've hyperbole read, you've read the It book. Yeah. I've started reading it. It's really good so far. What scene is she talking about? Because she's an adult in it. It's adult so, Bev. It's so an adult Bev. Like, the only scene I can think about... Like, originally I was thinking... Like, the bathroom scene in the first It... Is there's a lot of blood in it. The whole bathroom's covered in blood. Right. We, and we that's saw like, that. But we saw that. So it's something with her as an adult. So it's possibly something that happens um, when an adult Bev goes back to her dad's house um, and this old woman is living there and she kind of goes and looks through the the books and visits with her and it turns out that the old woman who lives there is actually Pennywise and kind of fucks with her and, and messes up the whole house into a house of horrors. So it's oh. possible that that is um, the scene that she's talking about. You know, maybe okay. reminiscent of the original, the bathroom fills up with blood or, you know, any any number of things could happen that, that would involve an intense amount of gore. So uh, I, I'd say for my money, it's probably that scene when adult Bev goes back to 
her father's house. Okay, well, we'll have to revisit because that's kind of cool. I also just think that I can't think of a movie that would have more blood in it than Evil Dead 2013's final scene. Like, <laughs> Right. They made it <laughs> literally rain blood. Yeah. For like <laughs> minutes and minutes and minutes. Like the ground was soaked in blood and the like succubus Mia, like, I don't know. And I, I mean, I'd be I'd be happy to be wrong. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, like I, I think Evil Dead twenty thirteen gets criminally overlooked, so maybe she is just not familiar with it. But yeah, whoever was on set. But regardless, a scene with this much blood is interesting to say the least. Yeah, uh, you, you know, they're really not afraid to pull any punches when it comes to making the sequel. You know, raising the stakes from uh, the twenty seventeen. Yeah, so I'm excited for this. There was a three-hour cut that people just saw that was like a um, a test screening, and they said it's good. It'll definitely get cut down, obviously, but the screening they saw was good. It's not as good as the first one, but it's solid. Mm-hmm. That's what the general consensus was. And, and, and like, like, that's fine. Like, the and, first one's great. And that makes sense because, like, even with the miniseries, the, the child half is better than the adult half. Like... Stephen King, it's well known, has a really hard time ending his books in a satisfying way. So it makes sense that, like, the first part is better than the second part because that's when, like, everything is on a roll and everything's kind of coming together and then it sort of falls apart near the end, which makes sense. And uh, what's his name? Gary Doberman had to write this whole script himself, so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's, we've talked about it before, but he can be pretty hit or miss. Um, next on here, this is cool. So we've talked about this before, but you can watch basically every episode of Unsolved Mysteries on YouTube. And I guess they just started adding more because they've had different hosts over the years. So the episodes that are hosted by Robert Stack are streaming in multiple places. So you can see it on Amazon Prime and Hulu, but they're also just on YouTube. Yeah, um, um, the Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> full episode channel on youtube just has all the episodes of the show (laughs) and um one youtube user by the name of pluto tv just has a 24-hour stream of episodes (laughs) yeah that's cool i really like that show it's awesome i've been watching still a lot of forensic files but unsolved mysteries is just a special kind of cool and i just found a podcast called monsters among us that kind of has the same vibe as unsolved mysteries Mm -hmm. like People just call in every week and give their paranormal experience stories. And then the guy kind of explains what they could be, which is, it's a really cool podcast. Uh, that sounds cool. I'm definitely interested in checking that out. There's no shortage of this type of content out there. So that'd be easy to find. Yeah. And then Godzilla news. There's some new images out and they look fucking awesome. Did you check these out? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be another one of those massive scale visual treats that i'm very very excited for this year i don't understand how this movie could be bad (laughs) like everything they've released the trailers are amazing the monsters look incredible every screenshot they've put out just oozes with like that awesome feel and like vibe to them uh michael doherty is a great director i mean krampus and trick-or-treat had amazing monster effects i i just don't see how this can be bad 
Yeah, he said, you have to sort of embrace a more fantastical element when you bring a giant moth or a giant bird born out of a volcano. You try and keep it as grounded as you can so that it feels real, but at the same time, you're talking about very fantastical creatures. That sounds pretty smart. Like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I place 100% trust in him, and, and I really do believe he knows what he's doing. Everything that I've seen about this movie looks like it's going to be... If there's going to be any movie that kicks off the uh, King Kong, Godzilla, monster movie universe, this is going to be the one that's going to generate the interest. Yep. I'm so excited. It comes out May 31st, so that's a good Memorial Day weekend movie to go see. Like, this is going to kick off summer in a cool way, I think. Yeah, this is definitely, like, <laughs> I-, I wouldn't pick any other time to do this. Like, beginning of summer is, like, the perfect way to start off this big monster movie like monsters is beating the shit out of each other right (laughs) that's awesome i'm so stoked and then we were just talking about critters how we haven't seen it but shutter is working on a new series but also on top of that a new critters movie has wrapped filming so there's a series called critters a new binge which is coming to shutter on march 21st but the official return of the Krites for the first time since 1992's Critter 4 is that. And then also there's a movie uh, at Sci-Fi and filming officially wrapped, I guess. So I think we talked about this, didn't we? When Sci-Fi announced they were bringing back Critters. Yeah. And then we were confused because Shudder was also bringing back Critters. Yeah, and so it looks like, <laughs> looks like whoever owns the right to Critters is just letting everybody do whatever they want with it. Yeah, um, that, that's really weird. I don't know. I'm, I don't have too much faith in the sci-fi movie, but... No, but uh, I, I can see Critters, um, the series on Shudder being good. Yeah, I'll check that out. I heard they're like short-form episodes. Like little short films or whatever. That's cool. I, I mean, I'm into that. Like, um, I'm not too familiar with the source material, but uh, I mean, I can just, you know, I, I think that the people at Shudder are... They have a little bit of money. They're getting a little bit of clout, and so... I think them doing a original series based on kind of a cult classic uh, is definitely a step in the right direction for them to build out their library of original stuff. Yeah, it's it's just a weird franchise. I guess we should check them out eventually. But speaking of things coming back, Finn Wolfhard is in talks for Ghostbusters along with Carrie Coon, uh, who's they're both awesome. I'm totally fine with that. They said that the story is going to focus on a single mom and her family with Coon playing the mom and Wolfhard playing her son. So it's definitely got to be like Egon's wife and kid, right? Yeah, like (laughs) Finn Wolfhard looks, you know, very similar to Egon. And since obviously uh, Harold Ramos passed away, uh, he can't be in the new movie. So this would be kind of the passing of the torch in a way or, or a way to kind of have his legacy represented in the new Ghostbusters. Um, So, I, I think that's actually really good casting. I think Finn Wolfhard is a, a good actor and Carrie Coon is also great. So um, I, I'm interested in kind of seeing what comes what comes from this movie. I, I, I don't put a lot of faith in it being good, but <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with it. Right, because the guy directing it is the original director's kid, right? Something like that, yeah. What's his name? Oh, yeah, Jason Reitman. Yeah, so it's the original director of Ghostbusters Kid. And it's, like, in the same universe as the first movie. And it's going to be another movie like Stranger Things or It where it focuses on kids. So take that as you will. (laughs) Not, I don't know. That just doesn't 
put a great taste in my mouth for <laughs> for that series. Like, I, I just, think Ghost, I think Ghostbusters One is an absolute classic. I think it's a ten out of ten, a near perfect movie. Yeah. Um, even two has some fun moments, uh, but I, I just don't really see. You know, I, I think you need all the creative minds that went into making the original on it to really make a, a legitimately great sequel. And just out of all the movies to become a franchise, it's just weird that Ghostbusters will not stop. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, why Ghostbusters? Uh, I like uh, Ghostbusters. I just I echo everything you just said. It's <laughs> like, I'll be, like I'll, this is something where I'll believe it when I see it. And if it's good, you know. Right, like I'm, I'm not putting too much stock in it. Um, we've seen how the franchise can be. I mean, it has a lot of like very toxic fans. So I think, no yeah, matter seriously. what, um, when it comes out, it's going to be that you have to see for yourself either way because there's going to be people on both sides just trying to rip it apart. So yeah, it's it's just weird. You think that like they would just leave well enough alone and not touch the franchise, at least not so soon. Like maybe wait another 10 years or something before coming back to it. But they, they really want that, uh, the ghostbusters check to, to roll in. Yeah. So, but the best, the best news story easily on this entire list is our last <laughs> one here. Warner brothers finally got smart and decided to develop a sequel to edge of tomorrow with both Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt coming back. I guess the reason that we haven't seen one, you know, is because it only made 400 million bucks on a $200 million budget, which sounds like a profit at first, but I think they have to make like three times it back to really make a profit. Uh, there's no plot yet, but I'm just glad that this is coming back because that movie is fucking awesome. Yeah, and that movie had a lot of turmoil. Like, I, 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 it didn't do great in the box office. Then when they released it, at home video, they called it Live, Die, Repeat. So right, they, like, they just put the trailer on the box. Right, they, like, changed oh, the, the name poster, of it. Sorry, the poster was on the box. <laughs> and the yeah, Edge of Tomorrow was, like, very tiny on the box. And yeah. then huge letters that said, like, Live, Die, Repeat. I have it. Yeah, so, like, they tried to kind of rebrand it to see if people would pick it up and not associate it with, like, the theatrical release, which I think is really strange, and I haven't seen that before or since. Um... But I'm happy that it's getting a sequel. I think this movie is absolutely awesome. It's such a cool sci-fi movie. Um, I do think Tom Cruise is a good actor. I think he's a whack job, but he's a very good action actor. Emily Blunt is great. So I'm really I don't think just... you're pissing anyone off with any of that. <laughs> like everyone's just like, yep. Yeah. But um, I, I'm just kind of excited to, to see that this franchise still has legs. Yeah, it definitely does. It, it needs to come back. I feel like word of mouth really helped that one out, especially in home video. If it does well, it'll get probably another sequel after this. But I think this is its last chance, and I hope it does well and like is a good movie. <laughs> yeah, I think if uh, if it performs similar to the first movie, I think there's no no chance that we're gonna get a third in this series. Yeah, so that's it for segment one, guys. We'll be right back with our review of Lords of Chaos. All right, we are back with segment two, and the movie that we are reviewing is Lords of Chaos. So, a uh, brief synopsis is a teenager's quest to launch Norwegian Black Meadow in Oslo in the early 1990s results in a very violent outcome. So, uh, <laughs> this movie is based on the story of um, Euronymous, 
who started a band called Mayhem and kind of got the black metal scene started in the late 90s in He basically Norway. like started and killed the genre, right? Like <laughs> I, I mean like there's there still are bands that are that take this kind of style like um I, I don't know a ton of them off the top of my head, but like Golgoroth is one and like there's a bunch of weird ones. Like I think it still is a very like underground genre. Like I don't know if there's that many like huge it, it definitely hasn't hit the mainstream, and I think that's like kind of how they like it. Um, right. But it is like it's very heavy sound, double bass. Like it, it is definitely a very unique and and kind of a cool sound. Like the the music in this movie is actually pretty kick ass. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought it was cool. I mean, overall, I really liked the movie. It's long too. It's like two and a half hours. Like it pretty much covers start to finish the entire story, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so um, if you're unfamiliar with it, I don't, uh, I don't want to spoil uh, what happens. But uh, basically, Euronymous starts a band called Mayhem, where uh, he kind of creates this genre of black metal, and he gets a lead singer whose name is Dead <laughs> to to kind of really get Mayhem <laughs> off the ground, and um, Dead ends up committing suicide, and that's kind of what really launches this whole. Um, career for Euronymous where he kind of profits off the death of his friend and saying like look how evil we are our ba- our music is so evil it killed our lead singer <laughs> and just these ideals of like you know evil over, over everything else um, then they run into this guy fan of the music called uh, Varg Vikernes uh, or the Count as he likes to be called and, um, and he kind of takes the ideals presented by the band, the pure evil, the kind of satanic ideals, and, and really tries to bring it to the next level in a more materialistic sense, a real, not, not just singing about evil acts, but let's commit some real crimes. Yeah, and it is a true story, which is crazy. Uh, we listened to the last podcast on the left episode about this, which was just a few months old, and it lines up pretty similarly, right? Yeah, so I actually went back and um, listened to that series again after watching the movie because I was curious. I, I had forgotten like a, some of the details, and I wanted to hear basically the the real story after seeing this like biopic version. And it, it does line up pretty well. I mean, there's like a few kind of deviations here and there, but for the most part, I'd say it's a pretty faithful retelling of what happened. Yeah, and it, it's really well acted. It's really well put together. It looks like it has a lot bigger budget than I'm sure it does. The weirdest thing is that you've got you've got a Culkin, Rory Culkin plays Euronymous, yep. and then you've got a Skarsgård because Faust is played by uh, Valter Skarsgård. So yeah. it's like you've got these like offshoot siblings of these like acting families. It's really <laughs> weird, but everyone does a pretty good job. It's narrated by Euronymous, and just seeing the story play out is awesome. Like I don't really ever think it drags. It was really fun to watch just from start to finish, and I just like. I like all the stuff with uh, Euronymous, like where his record store, where he like plays all the metal music and shit. Yeah. It's all funded by his dad and stuff. So he's like yeah. acting like this big metal head who's like self-sufficient, right. but his rich dad's paying for everything. And then like he kind of runs out of money and Varg wants to record on his record album. So he has to borrow like 25 grand from his mom. And he's like, we're going to pay my mom back, right? And it's just, like these guys who are like talking about evil and how like, they're going to run the world, but they're just a bunch of nerds and they don't like half anything. 
Yeah, and the movie is surprisingly funny, too. There's, like, a lot of great comedic moments I really like. Like, when they're all just, like, sitting in the car listening. The one guy, I forget which character it is. You'll remember. The the way he auditions is he sends an envelope with, like, a dead, a crucified rat in it yeah. with, like, a tape. Yeah, that's, <laughs> then, that was Dead's then, audition tape. Yeah. Where Hieronymus pulls it up. That's, that's true. That's how he actually auditioned for the band Mayhem. He sent a dead rat crucified with his audition tape. And, like... Dead as a person, and they even do some of this in the movie, before shows, he would go outside and he'd bury his clothes in the dirt so that when he dug them up, it would smell like old, decaying death when he would wear his clothes to the concerts. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with <laughs> They don't do this in the movie, but um, one time he dug a hole and laid in it and asked Euronymous and the other Mayhem band members to bury him before a show. And they were like, no, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> what was the gay sex thing you were telling me earlier um, about him? Yeah, so um, one thing also that they don't touch on in the movie, um, basically like the big deviation in the movie from the true events that that I can tell is that uh, Euronymous was a... I think he was a little bit more involved in in the like criminal aspects when they start doing church burnings and stuff like that. I think he was kind of more into it than the movie portrays, and he wasn't so much a like innocent uh, bystander who kind of gets pulled into this as they they show him. But obviously, it's a movie, so they want to pick like a protagonist and take his point of view. But um, yeah, right. W- one thing that uh, <laughs> he believed was that the most evil thing you could do was. Uh, have gay sex with someone because that's like spitting in the face of God. So he would proposition Varg for sex all the time. And Varg was basically a Nazi. So he hated homosexuality. Yeah. And I think that they was touch on the- that in the movie, how he's like a fucking straight up Nazi, right? right. Like I, I remember that. <laughs> like he has the SS posters in his room. And like mm-hmm. uh, when he walks into um, Euronymous's office, he's like, yeah, uh, I'm a vegetarian. And you're honest, like, oh, yeah, like Hitler. And he's like, yes, exactly, exactly like Hitler. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? This guy's insane. <laughs> but I, I thought it was a really well-told story. I thought the cinematography was way better than I expected. Um, the makeup is cool. Like, they all look like a real metal band. The music in it is good. I, I just thought this was, it, it, it was way better than I expected it to be. I walked in with low expectations and was really blown away with it. Do you know if the guys in the movie are actually like playing the music? Uh, there is, I think there's one song that's played by Mayhem, but I know Varg, who just uh, got out of prison recently, is very much against the movie. Like he hates the way he oh, was yeah. portrayed in it. Um, but it's ac- that part's accurate, right? Like they they portrayed him better than he actually was. <laughs> Like, Varg, I think, is probably the most true-to-life character in this movie. Like, I feel like he was as big of a tool and, like, a big baby as he is portrayed in this movie. Um, but, yeah, he, he was kind of against it, and I think he's at least a little bit involved with Mayhem still at this point. So I, I know there is one song on the track list that has Mayhem involved with it. So I think they got at least one song from them, but there's a bunch of other uh, black metal bands that did record music for it. Right, because the whole weird thing is that th- there's not a lot of actual music in the movie, right? Like, there's a few songs, 
and you hear right. a lot of other bands, but like they they skip a lot of the performances, and I'm sure that's why. Like it must have been really hard to get the licensing for the music that they actually recorded, because these guys are all such fucking dumbasses. <laughs> right, like where this could have been a way for you to kind of capitalize and come back. I, I, I mean, the, the thing is, like, <laughs> one of the weird things about the black metal scene is that like they don't really want to profit off of it, like. At one point in the movie, uh, Euronymous is like, you know, like the whole point of this whole image that we're doing is so we can like blow up and go on tour and make money. And Vargas like, what a poser you are. And it's, it's like, what's the point of any of this then? Yeah, it's like you, you, none of you have jobs. The store is like not making money because they wasn't it didn't make money because they would just let people come in and listen to the records and not even buy them. Well, yeah, and it's like it's such a niche, um, like. You know, it's such a niche genre that, like, it, the record store was very much a meeting place for every black metalhead to come hang out in. But, I mean, they're a bunch of poor teenagers. It's not like they have money to spend on buying records. So, yeah. it, like, it was a failed business from the start. Like, it, it acted more as a centralized meeting point for this, like, I guess, cult activity more so than a business. <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess, like, everyone knows if you watch the trailer the big crime they got in trouble for was church burning like burning down churches and shit yeah. the the church burnings in the movie they they went all out and it's really cool they built full-on sets to burn down it's very practical it looks awesome it's the, and it happens multiple times in the movie yeah um those scenes are incredibly well shot i mean just the cinematography of them is really something that is truly truly impressive it, i mean they look like you said, they built full-size sets to burn down for these. Like, there's no CGI fire. It's as practical as can be. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, they just did that in Mandy, too. Like, it must be fucking simple to build a church, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, it just keeps... It's they just cool. Keep like, using oh them as, like, God. burning set pieces. Yeah, if the guys weren't such, like, fucking tool babies, it'd be so much... <laughs> like, I'd be, it'd be cool to, like... They, they seem cool, you know? Like, you'd be like, damn, right. these guys are sick. But they're just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> those dumbasses right and, and i think the movie actually does do like a pretty decent job of showing that they're not <laughs> you know like they're not really that cool they are like a you know they're a bunch of teenagers they're stupid they're stupid young guys and, and i don't think it like um it, it's a very warts and all story it, it doesn't just show the good of them it shows kind of all the blunders and and the strangeness of their their lives as well yeah but i really liked it i don't think i think i rated it if i did i would rate it like a four i think it was like a solid four out of five like this movie is obviously a lot of work to put together they had to gloss over some things but the stuff they showed in the movie was really cool and entertaining and they didn't shy away from a long runtime and i i think it deserved its runtime a lot like really well so overall there's not much i would change you know i think it was good just a good fucking movie yeah i thought it was very good i'd say if you're interested in this at all the black metal scene how it got started and you want to hear the true story of anything i'd say probably watch the movie and then listen to the last podcast series on it it's a three-parter yeah we love the last podcast on the left they are so good they're doing they just finished a three-part story on the skinwalker ranch and it's amazing yeah i gotta listen to the third part but i love all that (laughs) all that really weird weird occult shit yeah, that's like them going back to their roots, which is great. So between that and Case File, and now Monsters Among Us, we're pretty stacked. 
yeah, we got uh, a <laughs> we got a lot a lot of podcasts to listen to. Yeah. Bye.